Today is Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Trump's grand jury meeting has been canceled. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, give us a rating, share it with a friend. You can email us as well, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We'd love to hear from you as we journey through the news of the cray each and every day. Joining me as always, Billy Hallowell from CBN. What's going on, Billy? Man, oh man, there's a lot of news to cover today. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's just no point in delaying the inevitable. Let's gird our <laughs> loins and get right into it. But yeah, we've got a lot coming up on the podcast. Uh, what are you covering? Well, another day, another expert warning that we're descending into communist China. No, it's, <laughs> it's another expert warning of where we're headed as America. Very, very disturbing stuff. Yes, indeed it is. And also on the main thing, we're going to talk about the Methodist Church. More than 500 of them across Texas are no longer affiliated with the United Methodist denomination. Charlene Aaron has the story behind that for today's main thing. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office, they canceled that grand jury meeting that was supposed to happen yesterday as part of the investigation into former President Trump. There's some speculation of a possible indictment, possible arrest. Internet was swirling with news of that yesterday, but then it did not happen. A Calgary pastor was arrested for the second time on March 15th for protesting a drag queen story hour event at a public library. The video clip of the arrest was shared on social media by Rebel News. Patrick Derek Raymer of Mission 7 Ministries can be seen just in the middle of a parking lot, not even really near the library. And there was a huge police presence for this event and they dragged him off in handcuffs. And a cult that worships super intelligent AI is looking for big tech donors. This is, of course, overall the hype of ChatGPT. Artists are forming religious movements that are actually worshiping these future machine AI powers that be. And they want to try to change them for the better. And that's just some of the news going on today. You can check out more over at CBNnews.com. Billy, I found, I mean, I'm just scratching the surface on that one. It's a couple long articles about these movements now. Very disturbing that we're seeing people moving to worship this AI. And I guess we shouldn't be surprised because people fashion all kinds of idols to worship and it it uh, is happening with this as well. Yeah, it's the new golden calf apparently. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it is interesting though that human beings to that point are always looking for something to worship outside of God, right? You know, that they're, they're always looking for something. It's sort of innate in us to find it. And so I'm not entirely surprised, although what's disturbing about this and all the robotics and all this other technology is that you just think, well, where does this go and end? Because yeah. these things quote unquote think for themselves, yes. allegedly, right? So it's, oh man, well, bizarre. We, I was having a conversation with a friend about this and I saw an interview with, um, I think his name is Sam Altman, who's one of the creators of ChatGPT. Now this is an AI arms race. This ChatGPT is just the first one to hit the market, but there's a whole host of other people making their own Chinas, making their own. And so he's vowing that we're going to keep, you know, if you try it and you test it out, you'll see that, you know, if you say, hey, criticize Joe Biden or criticize President Trump, so I'm an AI model and I don't think it's right to criticize. So they're trying to keep it 
somewhat sane, but why the next person might not. China's certainly not going to be favorable to American politics and America in general. They're just not. And well, then, what about other yeah. ideas? Like right. the ideas that are going to be accepted and allowed, you know, right. Christian ideas, right? Gender. Let's talk about all these different things. Is it going to be as fair on those things as right. time goes on? Right. And then, and then even think about the potential for, I mean, cause if uh, on chat GPT, there's no sexual content or anything like that. But what if one of like Pornhub or something decides they want to make one of these AIs that's all, you know, sex based and, and hyper focused on that. I, I there's just, all of these companies are going to be doing this stuff. So to think it's going to stay just the way chat GPT is, I think is naive, but you know, seeing these people worship it, it's just, it's just disturbing the whole thing. You know, I don't want to be the guy that's like, hey, we don't want to, we want to, these calculators are going to ruin mathematics in school. You know, you don't want to be that guy. But at the same time, you can just see so many problems with this heading down the line. Oh, absolutely. And, and I don't, you know, I think, are there good things that could come from it? Sure. But I think we've seen with a lot of technology, yeah. even though there's been benefits and amazing things, there have been a lot of negative things on social media and some of these other technologies we have. So I'm very skeptical of everything now. I kind of take yeah. a 50-50 stance until I know. But this creeps me out because it can think for itself, right? It's yes. like it's coming up with things. That's a different dynamic from what we've had in the past. It is. It really is. And, you know, you've reported on this, Billy, but this pandemic of depression that we have going on as well, a lot of that is fueled by social media. And so those are just some dramatically negative effects we can see in the last 20 years. And Lord only knows what's going to happen with this. And it, honestly, it makes me think I'm never, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in scripture, so I don't think anyone knows the day or the hour, but it certainly does seem with the emergence of these super smart AIs that I don't know. You just get the sense that maybe Jesus is going to put a lid on it <laughs> sometime yeah. soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we are know. hopefully almost there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is definitely, I think, and, and also all of the things going on in the world, when you pair it with this, you mentioned China, and, and you look at all these different dynamics, you think, oh my goodness, where is this headed? How can yeah. this be used? And I that that is always where my brain goes now. How can this be used against us? Yeah, and uh but where I always end up landing on a positive note here is with God's sovereignty. And I just think, okay, all the crazy things we try, all the crazy things we do, I you still can't panic because God's not surprised by any of this. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He's going to handle it uh, in his way and in his time. So while we can use some discernment and try to not let the AI overlords take over the world, um, we can also trust and relax that God's that God's got it. So, um, could you turn that ship around? And I, make know. It positive? I know. I know. I, I don't want everyone to leave here being depressed that you're going to be ruled by um, some sort of computer here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, it is it is disturbing, and we should we should certainly be. <laughs> you just truncated that timeline quite a bit to a couple of weeks. I know. So there you I, go. Well, it just feels like it. All of a sudden, it's just no one's talking about this thing. And then all of a sudden, they're like, hey, by the way, we've got this thing here over here that just can do everything. And you're like, what? I didn't. I yeah, just what we needed another another thing that we don't need to right. think to make things happen. Just I'm, what society needed. I'm like, I just learned how to tie my shoes. And you got this machine over here that can like do my taxes and all this stuff. It's crazy. So. All right, we're going to move into the next story here now. And the president of China Aid, a group that monitors persecution, 
He said that similarities in the playbooks used by the U.S. and China, communist China, that is, are strikingly similar. And he had some dire warnings here. So what's going on? Yeah, this is Bob Fu. He's, as you said, the president of China Aid. And again, this is a group that monitors persecution. So he knows quite a bit about persecution and how it operates. Uh, But he was basically talking about, in particular, one of the examples he gave was how the West handled COVID restrictions, right? Um, That the similarities between the Chinese communist way of doing things and the American left, these are his words, um, that, that there are striking similarities there. He said, quote, it is very shocking and horrible to see America's American society's transformation evolving from its constitutional basis. So he's essentially warning that, you know, he came, he lived in China, that he has seen this firsthand and that he feels as though what he's watching happen in America is trending along those same lines. Hmm. So what, what else is some of the backstory here from for, for Bob and why he's... Uh you know, hot on this issue. Yeah. So, you know, he started China aid in uh, 2002, but in 1996, he and his wife actually escaped China. They left. Uh, He became a Christian and was part of the Chinese underground church. And then he ended up going to prison for leading house churches before his escape. So again, this is somebody who has had firsthand experience with these things. It's not as though he's just making these things up and, you know, this is his perspective, but he feels the way that some of our politicians are behaving. Um, you know, and again, we have to be careful when we make these comparisons, but I do think there are a lot of people making them and they're saying, look, these steps, what we're doing now, if left unfettered, could take us to a very negative place. Mm. And so they see those parallels. Well, and anybody that's from one of these countries that has a regime, whether it's communist or other form of dictatorship, all of them get incredibly and rightfully so concerned when they see patterns and they see, uh, wait a minute, I just left this and now you're doing this thing. Like, Of course, they're going to be concerned because they've lived it and they're trying to sound the alarm. So um, it, it's it's certainly worthwhile to listen to when people that have fled that kind of oppression are kind of throwing the red flag out and saying, guys, uh, wait a minute, maybe we better slow our roll in there. But what's what's one of the examples that he gave? Yeah, he talked about, um, again, COVID, but he gave a specific example of California. He said, quote, I saw the governor of California basically proscribe and order the church to shut down and say not only when they can worship, but how. He said the ways that he threatened to punish those churches and pastors sometimes were word for word exactly the same as what the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, is using against the Chinese churches. You know, look, COVID really was an interesting dynamic for a lot of reasons. People have lots of different opinions on how it was handled, but some of those restrictions, right? If you're allowing people to shop at Walmart and do all these other things and you're not allowing them to go to church, it opens up questions, does it Mm, not? Yeah. Well, and I remember we were reporting back during COVID doing this podcast and Trey and I were covering... (laughs) The rules in one county in California where they were telling you how you could should sing and how many people you could have in the worship band and what was acceptable and what wasn't. And that was in California as well. And to, to Bob's point there, it's incredibly alarming. But when fear is motivating people as it did during COVID, it is amazing. Fear is the greatest motivator for just handing over their liberty. When people get afraid, they are quick to forget about their rights, forget about their liberties and just toss it aside for the mere appearance of 
safety. Well, and I would tell you too, that there are a lot of other people. It's not as though he's the only person saying this. And you had mentioned this before other people who have come out of regimes that were restrictive. I mean, years ago, I can remember um, two administrations ago when Obama was in, there was a former Holocaust survivor speaking out about what she saw, you know, and how she felt there were signs. Now, again, you, you take these things with a grain of salt, but we recently actually sat down and we talked about it on the show here uh, with with Yeonmi Park, who talked about what she went through in North Korea and how she sees, again, having come to America, looking for this freedom, loving what America is, becoming an American citizen, and now saying, wait a minute, what is going on here? I'm watching this division and they're sowing division and it feels very similar to what would happen in North Korea mm-hmm. with how division was sowed. And so it's, it is alarming to me to have so many people saying similar things, right? I mean, that whether or not it's happening to the level they think, it, it's definitely causes pause. Well, and we're unwise to just dismiss it as saying, oh, you're just fear mongering. We're not communist China. Well, we know we're not communist China, but freedom is fragile. And I, I don't think we really believe that in America. I really don't. I, the average schlub going around. I, I really don't think we believe that. We think that we've just grown up in it. We're used to it. We think we're entitled to it. We think it's always going to be there. But that's not the case. I mean, we are, as a country, the exception. When you look at the grand scheme of world history and the nations that have risen and fallen, freedom is incredibly rare. Most of the countries, the overwhelming majority of them, have some sort of oppressive control um, lording over it. And so we don't have a right perspective on how rare this is, how fragile this is. And so... When we see people like Bob sounding the alarm, it's not because he's trying to make some crazy comparison and that we're this suddenly a communist country or a dictatorship or anything like that. It's just that if you repeat these certain things, it's not going to end well. So- yeah. Yeah. Well, one, one one quick thing. We had Johnny Moron yeah. uh, the other day and he was talking about persecution and he was like, we can't compare what's happening in America, you know, religious dis- discrimination in America to what's happening abroad. Obviously, people are being stoned and murdered other right. places. That's not happening here. But what he said was when he goes to the most persecuted places, the persecuted church always tells him in some way, they'll say something like, it didn't start like this here. It started with marginalization. It started with discrimination. Mm-hmm. It started with our children being treated differently in schools. And they said, watch out for the early warning signs. Now, I'm not saying we're in those early warning signs. I'm just saying, again, it is interesting. They didn't start the way they ended up. Yeah. Yeah. And you connect the dots. And even though all of them don't happen in America, just seeing people like in Canada, a pastor getting dragged across a parking lot for standing in the parking lot at hundreds of meters away from a drag queen event that he was protesting. The woman in the UK that prayed silently and got arrested for this. These are the sorts of things that, yes, it doesn't mean that these countries are suddenly flipping and they're communist and they're persecuting everyone. But when these sorts of things become more common, like you said, these are the drips. These are the death by a thousand paper cuts. Then they become normalized. When we're pushing Christians out of the public square and we're telling them to be silent, if we don't stand up for those things now and speak out, we may lose our opportunity. Maybe not in our lifetimes, but maybe in a generation or two. It's it's the trajectory yeah. you've got to be concerned about. So, Absolutely. Yeah, appreciate you bringing that one, Billy. That one is important. So, 
We're going to head into the main thing now, though, and more than 500 churches across Texas are not affiliated with the United Methodist denomination any longer. Many of them are in the Houston area, and while pastors are admitting the decision to leave has not been easy, they felt it was necessary moving forward. So what's driving it? What is the main issue? What's the rationale? Well, CBN's Charlene Aaron has the report. More than 500 churches across Texas are no longer affiliated with the United Methodist denomination, many of them located here in the Houston area. While pastors admit the decision to leave has not been easy, they felt it necessary for moving forward. It's been brutal. That's the word, brutal. Um, It was not an easy decision. Pastor Bert Palmer of Kingwood Methodist Church has been part of this denomination for most of his life. It was the United Methodist Church in which I heard the call to ministry, was nurtured in the faith. That history made it all the more difficult when Kingwood members chose to leave the UMC over the denomination's adoption of an LGBTQ-friendly ideology. It seems as if a lot of clergy feel as if they should be able to practice their sexuality in whatever way they desire, that the church should have no bearing on that. Um, And we just don't believe it. Last November, the move to be more accepting of these lifestyles included the election of a second openly gay bishop. Pastors tell us this forced them to accelerate their exit from one of the nation's largest Protestant denominations. Looking at what I believe is going to be the future of the United Methodist Church, I didn't really see a place for me. Uh, in in the United Methodist Church. Pastor Howard Hunn says his embrace of Scripture helped him make the decision. What I believe Scripture very clearly teaches, that uh, human sexuality is is a gift from God, reserved for a husband and wife, a man and a woman, uh, in a monogamous marriage. According to the denomination's General Council on Finance and Administration, more than 1,800 U.S. churches have left the denomination since 2019. More than 1,200 congregations have joined the new theologically conservative Global Methodist denomination, which launched last May. Reverend Keith Boyette is in charge of leading the group through this important transition. It was clear that the conflict in the United Methodist Church was not going to be resolved. That impacted the message of the church, the witness of the church. Uh, that witness became very confused. Confusion that churches, including some outside the U.S., seek to avoid. All of the Methodist churches in Bulgaria, all of the Methodist churches in Slovakia uh, voted to unanimously to withdraw. There are four annual conferences in Russia. They all voted to uh, begin the process of departure from the United Methodist Church, and their ultimate intention is to align with the Global Methodist Church. Boyette sees the recent decision surrounding human sexuality as just one of several troubling doctrinal issues in the UMC. We believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one uh, comes to the Father except through him, and that there is salvation only in the name of Jesus. The United Methodist Church likes to call itself a big tent, so it would permit other, other beliefs about Jesus and would permit its pastors to proclaim um, you know, other viewpoints of Jesus, that, that uh, he might not be the only way of salvation. Pastor Jason Smith of Katy, Texas, points to other viewpoints. 
So I sat there two years ago, now two and a half, and watched as a young man came forward. He had been commissioned into the United Methodist Church, and he was up for ordination. And this young man was held back from ordination for no other reason than he used he to describe his God, which is the way the scriptures describe God. And so that was not gender neutral. And therefore, he did not meet the standards of the United Methodist Church for ordination. And from that point on, I knew that we were on this slippery slope. A slippery slope that led Smith's church to vote on whether to depart the denomination. According to the UMC Book of Discipline, any decision to disaffiliate from the mainline denomination must be approved by a two-thirds or 66.7% majority vote of the professing members of the local church present at the church conference. The vote at Smith's church fell short as only 60.7% of his congregation voted to leave. I was devastated. I, I, I was convinced, and so was the associate pastor. We were convinced this was going to pass. We just knew it. We sat there before we came and told the congregation and just in tears. What are we going to do? After a time of soul searching and prayer, Smith felt led to pastor the newly formed Resurrection Church, where more than 300 members, many former United Methodists, joined the very first service. I see a church here at Katy that just is on fire for Jesus. I see God moving in ways that I never thought possible until this past month. He's just getting started. Pastor Hun feels a revival taking place at his church, which has seen a 70% increase in attendance. We are experiencing uh, new life in a way that, uh, that we never have before in the, in the United Methodist movement in my lifetime. A movement Boyette sees spreading globally as the split over the UMC's progressive views continue. I believe that we are on the cusp of great spiritual awakening around the world. And I believe God has chosen to raise up the Global Methodist Church to be part of that for such a time as this. Charlene Aaron, CBN News, Houston. All right, Charlene, thank you so much for that report there. Very, very interesting indeed to see these churches taking a stand uh, on that issue. So that's going to leave us with time here, though, for one last thing. Yeah, so we're going to look at Mark 4.21, and I love Jesus's words here. He says, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? And it just makes me think like when you when it's dark and you need a light, right? And it's like, man, I, I wish I had more light. Yeah. You don't conceal the light. As Christians, we are we are shining God's light through us. And so we need to be up on our stand doing the right thing, not hiding out under a bowl or under a bed. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> fantastic. And it also reminds me too of Jesus, just all the mic drops that Jesus had. He wasn't your homeboy. He was out there challenging and convicting and, um, you know, trying to move us to follow him more closely and showing us the way really. And so, yeah, let your light shine so that others can see it. All right, good place to leave it there on this Friday Junior edition of the podcast. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We'll see you back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.